Hey there, everyone. You are there and I am here, but you have welcomed me to wherever you are today. And I want to say thank you for that. Now, enough of that, enough chatter. Let's dig into the Word of God. That's why we're all here. That's why you have welcomed me to where you're at, so we can dig into the Word of God, so we can grow, so we can hear what God is saying, so then we can go out and do and be a part of what God is doing on the earth. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 today. We are kind of in this God's Promises Christmas edition And last week, we talked about Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, about the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Now we kind of take the next step in what the Lord was saying to the prophet and communicating to the people. And really, that's kind of what's happening today a little bit. The Lord, as I studied and as I've been putting this together, the Lord has been just putting things in my heart. And now I'm just going to be obedient to communicate that to you. And we're just going to walk through this together today. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, very familiar, especially during this time of year, uh, especially in America during this time of year, very, very familiar passage of scripture. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a great, great promise. Now, as we spoke last week, we talked about this, this prophetic word, this, this yes in the yes and amen equation, the promises of God. This prophetic word came to the prophet Isaiah over 700 years ago, 740 years approximately before the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah's given these prophecies in the midst of the Assyrians are, t- are attacking. He's given this word and this word is basically, listen, the enemy, no matter what it looks like right now, the enemy will ultimately not prevail. There is one who is coming. The enemy will not ultimately prevail. And so this word comes and Isaiah's prophecy was looking to like this climactic moment in history. Now, we're not sure if they knew the the weight of it. We're not even sure if Isaiah even knew the weight of it. I know that there are times when I can share something and I and I kind of feel like, well, man, this is this is good. It's a great nugget and I can share it. But when it's shared, it's almost like when it comes to pass, it shifted some things. It shifts some things in me and the people that I'm around and the people that I have influence with. It's like, maybe I didn't even realize it at the time. It's almost like when, when you do something for someone and years go by and later you've forgotten all about it. It may be 20 years down the road and you see somebody, maybe it's at a class reunion. You see somebody at a class reunion, you go, hey, do you remember that time when you said this? And really you want to say yes, but... Something inside of you can't even remember that. You don't even remember, but for them, it was a life-changing experience. 
See, we, we may not know the historic things that are happening when we share what God is, is giving to us, that this right here, this moment we have right now could shift entire families or neighborhoods or cities or even nations. And I don't know that that's a fact, but, but as we share what God is saying and doing, it always has the opportunity. And so Isaiah is sharing this word and he may be excited about it, but he may not truly understand what is going to happen because this climactic moment in history is when the world changes forever. It's like the old is gone and the new has come. Everything changed when Jesus took on human form and came as a baby. Second Corinthians says it this way, the old has gone and the new has come. You know, the Bible talks about wineskins and containers, you know, for, for wine. And it talks about old wineskins and it talks about new wineskins. And it talks about that if you put new wine into an old wineskin, that old wineskin will eventually burst. You need a new wineskin. And that language continues on even to Jesus. And Jesus even talked about wineskins. And Jesus is that newness. He is that new wineskin come in the flesh, this baby who's come, who's fully man, but yet fully God, filled with the spirit of God. He is a new wineskin. And here's what's awesome about that. Not only is he the wineskin, but he's the one that fills the wineskin. He is the new wine. He is the peace. He is the mercy. He is grace. He is salvation. He is redemption. He is all of that. So we now, as the old has passed away and we give our life to Christ, and now we are what the Bible calls in Christ. Now we are a new wineskin, a new temple. We are brand new. And now we are filled with this newness of life. Man, what a powerful word. What a powerful thought process that Isaiah gives this word. Listen, the old is going to be gone and all things are going to become new. You see, Jesus came to institute a new kingdom called the kingdom of God. The Bible says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The kingdom that would be birthed would be like none other seen on the earth. What Jesus would come and teach was not seen on the earth. The way he taught it, the, 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 the presence that he had with him and in him had never been really experienced on this level before. And the rule and the dominion of the kingdom of God would rest on his shoulders, not an earthly king. An old system was passing away and a new system was coming. A new way was coming. And Isaiah paints a, a prophetic picture of a child, a son, which should encourage us. Not just a child, but a son. Again, a prophetic picture of what we all can become in Christ, that now we can become sons and daughters, children of God. A son given to us, and for us, a new wineskin for a new wine. Now, Isaiah gives this prophetic picture, but he also gives some descriptive terminology to this son, this child that's coming. So let's kind of look at that. The first thing is this, wonderful. This time of year, we, we, most of us, and I know there are some that are out there that are like, I never watch it. I don't want to watch it. I hate that movie. I don't like that movie, but it's a wonderful life. When you hear that word wonderful this time of year, a lot of people's minds go to that. But we all know that George Bailey didn't have a wonderful life. He had a struggle. 
like he was at rock bottom. He was about to commit suicide. But something shifted, something changed. There was something that happened in the atmosphere. Something shifted. There was a counter shift and all things became new. So it is with this wonderful, this wonderful son, this wonderful child. This speaks of the miraculous nature of Christ. He is wonderful. He does wonderful things. His love is limitless. Listen, this isn't so much a, uh, uh, an expository message where we just go line by line by line. History says this, history says this. I'm trying to exhort you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to pump you up today. I am. I'm trying to get you up out of your seat so that you can go, yes, Jesus is wonderful. My life may not look wonderful, but the Lord is wonderful. He's doing wonderful things. He's doing wonderful things in spite of what my life looks like, in spite of my decisions, in spite of what I've done, in spite of my stupidity. He is wonderful. He does wonderful things. His love is limitless. It breaks down man-made barriers. Jesus is astounding. He is unusually good. He is altogether different and he is extraordinary. Jesus is wonderful even when life is not. He causes wonderful, unexpected, beyond normal things to happen unusual, seemingly impossible things to happen. Everything about his life, hear this, everything about his life had a manifestation of the miraculous in it. Everything in his life had a manifestation of the miraculous in it. Listen, I believe in miracles and I believe that in him, the wonderful, the wonderful can flow through us. That in him, all things, all things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I believe we are to expect and anticipate his miracle working power in our lives. Truly, he is wonderful. Come on, let me know. Talk back to me. He is wonderful. Put it in the chat right now. He is wonderful. Life may not be but he is. And if I'm in him, then guess what? Things are gonna turn around. Things are gonna shift. Everybody else might change, but I'm gonna change. Nothing in my life may change, but something in me is gonna change, and that way the way I see it is gonna change. Wonderful. So Isaiah gives this other descriptive term, counselor. This is pretty self-explanatory, counselor. The word counselor speaks of wisdom. Like when we don't have the wisdom, when we don't understand, when we don't know, Jesus has provided a way through the power of the Holy Spirit, given us a guide, a counselor, the ability to guide us, a teacher. You know, one of the things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit was that the Holy Spirit's gonna come and he's gonna remind you of all the things that I taught you. He's gonna remind you, a teacher, a helper, and even in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28 and 29, Jesus invites all of us. What does he say? Come to me. And then what does he say? Learn from me. He's a counselor. How many people spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars for counseling? Listen, man, spirit-filled, believing Counselors are awesome. They can help us walk through some things. But when a person becomes, when we are solely dependent upon a person, we have gotten off track. They are not our ultimate counselor. 
They're just not. They're good. But they're not wonderful. (laughs) They may have the title of counselor, but they're not the supernatural counselor. God uses counselors, but he is the counselor. We need to ask him first. We need to seek him first. So we have wonderful and counselor, and then it says mighty God. This is a term meaning all-powerful, a force of unlimited authority and influence, unrestrained, infinite in power. The Hebrew word is gabor, which means valiant, powerful, strong, prevailing, unmatched, (laughs) mighty God. Listen to that, unlimited authority, unrestrained, infinite in power. Miller J. Erickson said this, what all of this means is that God's will is never frustrated. What he chooses to do, he accomplishes. He has the ability to do it. And I love that. The term mighty God refers to a king, a conqueror, a hero. And we know that Jesus was all of those and more. He is a king. He is a conqueror. And to all of us who know him, all of us who love him, he is our hero. There is no problem, no situation, no issue we face that he cannot conquer. He is a mighty God to you and I, especially when we feel like Gideon. In Judges chapter six, Gideon's got this army marching against him. He's in the lowest place of his life. He's threshing in a wine press. And I've talked about this before. You know that you're supposed to thresh on the highest place, not the lowest place. And the the threshing floor was the high place. The wine press was the low place. High place, low place. He's in a low place. He's hiding. He's threshing his weed in a low place. Why? Because he's hiding. He feels worthless. Less than that. And God comes to him. An angel of the Lord comes to him and says this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He wasn't a mighty man of valor. He didn't feel like a mighty man of valor, but God created him to be a mighty man of valor. And so mighty God came to him in his weakness and said, listen, get up, mighty man of valor. I am all powerful. I am all knowing. You don't have to be. I have called you to get up and believe me for the impossible. So many times we're believing ourselves to do the impossible when we need to believe in him. He's the mighty God. But he comes to us and says, mighty man, mighty woman, get up. It's not about you. It's about me. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Come on, put that in the chat. Mighty God, exclamation points. Mighty God changes the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we see, and the way that we act. And then there's a contentious one. There's a contentious descriptive terminology that the prophet gives, and that is everlasting father. Because remember, in Isaiah 9, 6, he says, a child is born and a son is given. And his name will be called an everlasting father is in there. Now, some have just had serious issues with this. Because it says child and son. Some have said, no one is to be called father except God. And therefore, it is wrong for Isaiah to have applied this title to the coming Messiah. Those who said that are right except one thing. Come on, put in the chat. One thing, get ready. 
about to drop a truth bomb on you. Get your emojis ready. Get your fire emojis ready. Get your bomb emoji ready. Get, get whatever your explosive emojis are, get them ready. They are right except one thing. Isaiah was not presenting this as a title for the Messiah. He was describing the nature that Jesus Christ would manifest through his life. Jesus said this, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Listen, we're not saviors. We're not little Jesuses. We are the creation. But that's not our title. Our title isn't savior. It's not Lord. It's not powerful. It's not peace. That's not our title. But listen, when you take on the nature of Christ, when you have a new wine skin, when you've got new wine, guess what? He lives in you now, and now there are gonna be descriptive qualities that come out of your life that point back to that title. Gosh, that's good. I'm pumped, man. This is good, y'all. The detractors come and they're like, oh, Isaiah, well, how can you say everlasting father? Isaiah's not saying that that's the title for Jesus. He was describing that Jesus functioned and walked out the nature of the father. And even Jesus said it. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. I only do what I, I hear the father saying. That's all I do. And so what you see come out of me is descriptive of the Father, the characteristics of the Father. Listen, y'all, that's why they call it fruit of the Spirit. It's not necessarily our fruit. It comes out of us, but it is fruit of the Holy Spirit. When peace comes out of us, that is fruit of the Holy Spirit. When love comes out of us, joy, all those things, that's fruit of the Holy Spirit, yet it flows through us, and it's a descriptive quality of the one who gave it to us. Man, I love that point. I could just stay in that point for the rest of our time, but I won't. Everlasting Father. Come on, put it in the chat. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of detractors. You know the truth now. Now you can give an account to it. If you ever encounter somebody who's like, no, I don't know why Isaiah put that Everlasting Father, you can say, I know. I know. He wasn't using that as a title. It was the nature that Jesus manifested in his life. And then tell him, Jesus said, he who has seen me, has seen the Father. Drop the mic, walk away. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't be prideful and arrogant. Lead them to Jesus. Humble yourself before the Lord, all right? Everlasting Father. And then the last descriptive term that Isaiah gives is this, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, the word for peace is completeness, wholeness. Nothing is missing. It's, it's that terminology of shalom, that, that peace, wholeness, fulfillment, prosperity of soul, wellness. Peace has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our peace. And in him, we have peace, not just the peace of God, but we can make peace with God. And when we make peace with God, well, Scott, how do we make peace with God? Repentance. That's what's called repentance. That means we come and we confess our sins before the Lord. Yes, confess. Not to someone else, to him, the everlasting father. We confess to him, right? We bring it all to him. We ask forgiveness. We receive forgiveness. Now we have peace with God. And guess what we get with that peace with God? Now we have the peace of God. We have the peace of God. 
One day all wars and pain and tears will cease. There will be everlasting peace. In the meantime, the Prince of Peace offers himself to us to make all things new. Old is past, the new has come. And here's what Jesus told him in John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I think it's interesting that when the resurrected Jesus comes to the disciples, discouraged, depressed disciples in that room, and he kind of walks through the wall, the first thing he says is peace. And then he says peace again. And then several days later, when he would see the doubter, or we call him the doubter, he gets a bad rap, Thomas. We see this guy, and he's just simply like, it's not like he's like, crazy mad or anything. He's just like, look, I want to see it. Are you real? Because I don't want to worship an aberration. I don't want to, I don't want to worship just an image of my mind because I'm, I'm discouraged right now. I'm depressed. Everything I put my life into seemingly is gone now. And these other people want to kill me for believing in Jesus. Are you really him? And Jesus said, Thomas, look at it. Touch it. Touch the nail prints. See, even Jesus didn't necessarily rebuke Thomas for questioning or asking. He gave him the answer. And you know what he said to him? Peace. He said to the rest of the room, peace. I'm not just leaving it with you somewhere. I'm giving it to you because another one's coming and he's the counselor and he's the comforter and he is the Holy Spirit to not just be with you, but in you, right? And I want to add this before we're done. Verse 7, Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This kingdom, there is no end. Nations rise and fall, but the kingdom goes on forever. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever. Now listen to this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The passionate, all-consuming fire of the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts, what does that mean? Man, that's angels with swords. That's the Lord leading an army. That's for real. That's mighty God. Like that's no enemy set before can come against. Again, it goes back to Isaiah saying, listen, the enemy's not gonna ultimately prevail on any of this. He says, the zeal, the passion of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. Listen, what God has said to you, he is passionate about it. He is on fire for it. He is filled with zeal to perform that in your life. What he has begun, he's faithful to complete it. He is zealous. He's passionate about completing it, but he needs you to cooperate with him. He needs you to be on fire. He needs you to be zealous for your own goodness, for your own wellness, for your own wholeness. When's the last time that you've, you've ever been zealous for your own freedom? Passionate about your own freedom. Passionate about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God is passionate about that. God wants that. And he will perform it if you will allow him, if you will believe in him, if you will confess him, if you will follow him, if you will get on that narrow path, and if you will let him be wonderful, 
and you will let him be counselor and you will let him be mighty God and you will let him be everlasting father and you will let him be the prince of peace in your life if you will allow the old wineskin to die so that he can become the new wineskin and fill you with new wine, newness of life, where the old is gone and all things have become new. That's what we have access to. So let's read it again. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We celebrate the passing of the old and the birthing of the new. We're getting towards the end of the year where everybody's gonna start talking about, well, I'm not gonna do this in 2022 and I'm gonna do this in 2022 and I'm being resolute this year and I'm gonna have a resolution that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. How about instead of a resolution this year, we just make a commitment to Jesus? How about we just make a commitment to the Lord to be passionate and zealous for Him, for what He wants to do in our lives, not what we want to do in 2022, but what God wants to do in and through our lives. Because again, He wants to be wonderful. And he is, but he wants to be wonderful to you. You have to allow him to be wonderful. He wants to be your counselor. He wants to be your mighty God, the Lord of hosts. He wants to be your everlasting father, and he wants to be your prince of peace. If you just let him. What do I do, Scott? <laughs> you just took your first step. You engaged with what God is saying. You've heard what God is saying. Now, respond to what God is saying. Well, Scott, do I need to put my shoes on? Do I need to get my clothes on? Do I need to, do I need to get my house coat off? Do I need to take my pajamas off? Do I, do I need to run right now and jump on a plane and go to Africa and just sell out my life for Jesus? No, you need to just sell out your life to Jesus right now. See, that's not about doing something everywhere else. That's about allowing him to do something right in here. Before you can do something out there, he has to do something in here. Because if he doesn't do something in here, you can't do anything out there for him. He's got to do it here, but you got to let him. And so just take your next step. You took your first step in listening, hearing, letting it settle. Now take your next step. Listen, if you need Christ in your life, if you need Christ, if you now are walking your life for what you feel like is without a savior, man, I don't know him. I don't know him as any of these things. I know that he came. I know that he was a son and a child, but I haven't really done anything. Then do it today. Lord, I bring all of it. My sin, my doubt, my fear, my anxiety, all of it. I bring it all to you, all of it right now. I bring it to you. I bring it to you, not just for myself, but I bring it to you for you, Lord. I bring it to you in Jesus' name. I bring you all my stuff and I bring it to you, Father, in Jesus' name because it's through Jesus that the blood is gonna be applied to all that mess and you're gonna cleanse me from all that unrighteousness 
And Father, you would then be able to see me clearly. So I come in Jesus' name and I confess my sin before you and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me and I say on this day, in this moment, Lord, I wanna follow you. I wanna be in relationship with you. I wanna talk with you. I wanna walk with you. I want you to be my guide. I'm not looking for peace from somewhere else. You are my peace. I'm not looking for the forever love of my life. You are the love of my life. I'm not looking for someone or something else. You're all in all, Lord. And listen, if you've, if you've been journeying with Jesus for a long time, and maybe it's just cold, stale, apathetic, lukewarm, and you'd say, man, that's me. I am all, yeah, yeah. I don't know how it happened. I don't even know when it happened. It just happened. Take your next step. Well, Scott, I know what I said back then. No, what do you say today? Lord, I'm cold. I'm, I'm lukewarm. I've been apathetic. I haven't been listening. I haven't been, I haven't been learning. I haven't been growing. And I lay it all at your feet in Jesus' name because I know that that blood applies. So I lay it before you. And I'm in, Lord. I want to be passionate and zealous for the things you want to do in my life. I want to be passionate and on fire for you, Lord because I know you're passionate and you're zealous for me. So I want to reciprocate that today. I want to give back to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands wherever you are right now. Come on. Come on, Dallas. You're in this room right now. Go ahead and do it. He's doing it. We're doing it. We're clapping right here. Come on, clap your hands right now. We're saying amen to the yes. Isaiah gave us the yes, and we're saying the amen, right? So God bless you guys. Listen, um, love you. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying your entry into the Christmas season. And uh, again, uh, if the Lord's doing something in your life, if you have prayer needs or any of those things, reach us at mediahub at thpshreveport.com. We wanna celebrate with you. We wanna walk with you and we wanna pray with you as well, uh, wherever you're at in your journey. We love you. God bless you.